Good evening. I'm Paul Sexton. And I'm Bobby Burns. And this is Wayward Weekly. Around the world and into your home, the stories that touch your life. This is Wayward Weekly. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to episode 14. How's it going? How you doing, Paul? It is going well, sir. How's everything going with you? Good. I saw you over the weekend for the first time in forever. Yeah, that was awesome, meeting up in Pismo and all that kind of stuff before you guys what, went up north. Yeah, in Pismo Beach where COVID doesn't exist. Like, Yeah, in the one spot. How lucky for us. Uh, well, it was just crazy going up there from Los Angeles where like everything's crazy social distancing. Like, we, we were driving there and uh, we were driving by the park and I just saw the park full of children and people. And I was just like, what in the fuck is going on here? It is not like that down here at all whatsoever. So I just, I think it's interesting that um, for our listeners, wherever you're listening, uh, whoever you are, I just sort of assumed that, yeah, it's different at different places. But I mean, even here within California, it is drastically different from one county or one city to the next. Um, I mean, it's so small and removed up there that like, I get it. It's probably a lot easier to be safer or I don't know, it's not going to spread around as quickly. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was crazy. I remember like at one point while we're sitting down and eating outside and it's, you know, uh, in LA, like everything's six feet or more when you go into the restaurants, it's like, yeah, six feet between tables, but they just do like 10 or 12 every, every other row is empty. And for us, we're sitting eating. And then this chick just like pops her head up right on the other side of the fence from us and is two feet away from me. And she's just like looking around and doing stuff. And I'm just like, what the (laughs) hell? And then I look over. I didn't even notice that. Every every one of them, like we were a foot away from each other as if her sitting there eating her dinner, like if she's just like, oh my God, and just yells or something really loud, but that spit's not going to go flying my way or go up in the air and slightly go down over the fence onto my plate or into my area. Um, Not that I'm that worried about it, but like, you know, I don't want to get it. (laughs) I'm not like... I'm not deathly afraid of it, but also if I get it, I can't go see my parents for a while because they're older. Yeah. Um, but regardless of all that, like, I don't know, some people are out there and they're like, oh, who gives a shit? This is stupid face masks and this and that. I'm like, well, I definitely don't want to get, I don't want to get sick normally as it is. So, yeah. you know, if, if people are sick, I'm like, yep, yeah, don't, please don't come into work. Stay away from me. Um, I don't want to be sick for a week. And now it's this, like, I definitely don't want to get it. I feel like, there's almost this uh, weird, um, like authoritative thing with COVID where it's like someone's telling you what to do so you don't want to do it, which is uh, good and all when you're 13 and in junior high school and the principal's like, <laughs> make sure you don't write on your backpacks. That's against school rules. And you're like, fuck you, I'm going to write on my backpack. Uh, yeah. And, and I feel like that's how this is where they're like, wear a mask and people are like, I'm not wearing a goddamn mask. You can't make me do that. And it's, it's like, okay, look, I know the government's asking you, but it's really seems disrespectful to everybody else. Like I was at work yesterday and there's this, uh, old guy at our work. I work in an office building. Um, and it's six stories tall and there's probably, I don't know, at least 20 suites on each floor. And there's two buildings right next to each other. So in my building, there's 20 on my floor and our office holds about 30 or 40 people. So times that by 20, you've got like, I don't know, maybe a thousand people working on a floor. 
And I'm walking down the hall, I go to the bathroom and uh, this old guy walks in and he just comes up and pees next to me without his face mask. And he's like, Hey, how's it going? And I'm like, (laughs) all right, well, he, he should probably be more worried than I am. So I go, it's kind of his thing. And I'm like, well, what about other people? Like, I feel like it's just disrespectful to me. Like the, I don't, I don't give a shit when I'm in the office with my coworkers, like I'll take it off. And when they come in or they walk by, I'm like, Oh, do you want me to put this on? And if they're wearing it, I will put it on and I'll, I'll wear it unless they're like, no, 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 don't worry. Don't worry. But I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it a lot of the times for me. I'm doing it out of respect for the people that I'm working with. I'm doing it out of respect for like other people might be a little bit more worried about it or paranoid. And I don't, I think some people don't get that. It's, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck the government. Right. And it's like, no, no, no. Like you're saying fuck you to me right now. Like if I care about this or if I'm really worried about this, this is just a big fuck you to me, not to the government. Like, yeah, Yeah. I get it. They're sort of telling you what to do. But like at that point in time, you're just like, hi, I don't give a shit about you. Like, how do you know I'm not really worried? I'm not, I just find it very disrespectful. Um, Well, it's not even the worry. It's just the, the unknown. Like you said, like, you know, you could be carrying it. You're not aware of it because someone else hasn't been taking precautions. So then you end up giving it to your parents, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's something that you worry about, but I just, I'm honestly so tired of the absolutes on both sides. Mm -hmm. Democrats look at it as if the world is going to come to an end. And yet, uh, we had mass protests and I'll look at comments on Twitter and they'll be like, well, the protesters a lot of times won't wear masks. There were, you know, they think it was depending on the area. Some areas, the protesters were wearing masks, but they weren't doing the social distancing. Um, and then other areas, uh, for the black lives matter protests, they, uh, weren't wearing masks or yeah. it was just kind of sporadic mask wearing. And there, and the comments online were, uh, police brutality supersedes the need to wear masks. And then they tell people on the right that you need to wear a fucking mask if you're going into the grocery store. And it's like, if you think COVID is a problem, put on a 60 cent mask, which takes two seconds before you walk out of the door. Put your money where your mouth right, is. Right, even Democrats, at your protest. Yeah, even at the protest, it takes two seconds to put on a mask. It's not like all of a sudden everyone was watching their TVs and they just ran out of their doors. It should be especially at the protest. Yeah, just just for common sense purposes and everything. And and what the conservatives have forgotten is that two weeks before George Floyd, they were the ones out outside protesting purposely without masks. Right. And my thing is, is that the left looks at it as if this COVID thing is the end of the world and they know it. The right looks at it like it is nothing. It is a hoax. It'll sub, It's something that's no worse than the flu, and we don't need to give a shit about it, and we shouldn't be altering our behavior because of something this ridiculous like COVID. And I'm sitting back just saying, why can't we just say, I don't know? Yeah. And, I- and then act as a reasonable person would, which means let's take restrictions because we don't know what this means if more people get it 
So let's just act reasonably in the hope that we don't have a season of COVID and the flu each and every year that we can nip this thing in the bud. Like, yeah, I am uh, worried that we're still going to be dealing with this a year and a fucking half from now because no one seems to give that big of a shit. Um, Yeah, maybe in a year and a half we'll find out like, oh, it really isn't that bad. We've had uh, millions of infections and the death rate really wasn't as bad. Um, and we shouldn't go too overboard in terms of lockdowns, but look how hard it is to play Nostradamus and predict the future, but everyone acts like they already know, right? you know, uh, like go like you, I will say, like you said, is, uh, people are being absolutist with some of these ideas at certain times, but it's hypocritical. I did see, um, a friend, a very liberal friend post something online where it's like, what, what I think, uh, when I hear and say, you see these things and it was like about coronavirus and black lives matter and this and that. And it did say like, um, you know, when you don't wear a face mask, it says, uh, to me that, um, I don't like to be minorly inconvenienced, even if it costs other people their lives. Um, I'm going to do what I want. And to some extent, I believe that's true. Like there is that attitude a little bit, but to another extent, it's like, well, couldn't you just say the same thing about driving a car? Like, I don't want to have to walk. I'm willing to, to drive, even if it means I'm going to kill, or we are going to kill 200,000 people a year, um, in accidents by not paying attention. It's, uh, to me, it's somewhat of a a similar analogy. It's like, well, if, if we're that concerned about people's lives, like we should stop all of this stuff. I mean, we should stop driving our cars um, because people die in car accidents and that causes tons of pollution. Um, We should ban the sale of sugar because that kills 500,000 people a year with heart disease and and related diseases. And we should stop the sales of alcohol um, and we should stop the sales of uh, tobacco and all of this stuff because we're only engaging in these things because we don't want to be minorly inconvenienced by not having them, but it risks other people's lives all the time. Yeah. But the thing is, is that with going out and let's say you have COVID, you going about your normal business can possibly infect and cause harm in another person. Even if you're doing everything right, you're just going to the grocery store, you know, you're going about your regular day and that can impose harm on someone else potentially. I understand Whereas, that. What, I, what I'm saying is that um, it was saying about people who are, are not wearing masks, uh, whether they have COVID or don't have COVID, what they're, what they're saying is that they don't want to be minorly inconvenienced and they don't care if it costs somebody else uh, their lives. And what I'm saying is that is sort of the same thing with vehicles. Like I don't, I don't want to be minorly inconvenienced by having to walk to the store, walk to work or ride a bike. Even if it costs somebody else their life, I would rather just drive. Like we, what I'm trying to say is we make sacrifices all the time. We, we play this game where it's like, Oh yeah. Life is a balance. Yeah. We know that what's reasonable and what's not. What was that? That's the thing. But we look at like what's reasonable and what isn't. I mean, a lot of times driving a car is just a necessity, especially if you live in Los Angeles. Like a lot of people live outside the area they drive in. That's only because you were born into a world like this. If this was, if cars were thrusted upon you like the coronavirus, it wouldn't be a necessity at all. We could completely change our lives to work. Uh, Look, say you had to get a job within a mile of your house or 
five miles of your house so you could ride your bike there on a regular day, you would, or, yeah. uh, every day. You would be extremely healthy. You probably would never move away, uh, move far away from your family and friends because you still want to be able to see them on a regular basis. And you go, well, like, but I could only choose the jobs that are near my house. I wouldn't be able to make as much money. Sure, you wouldn't need to be able to spend as much money because now you don't have to pay for a car. You don't have to pay for car insurance. What about public transportation? Uh, we could totally do that. What about driverless cars, um, the, the yeah. self-driving cars and things like that? What I'm saying is there are other means of doing all this stuff. It just seems like we couldn't do that um, because... Well, because it's a slow progression. It, yes. It, and it takes time, and there's a lot of externalities to it as well. I mean, we just live in a society where you can live far away. Um, and it requires some sort of an automobile to get there and back. And then with family, kids, all of that kind of stuff, you don't want to spend a ton of time riding your bike back no. and forth, but you can still make the choice if you wanted to, like you're saying, you could do what yeah. you're saying, but a lot of people just don't even have the choice to, I mean, there's people that live, uh, like in our hometown, a little bit further than our hometown rather in Palmdale, it's much more affordable there. Your money goes a lot further. And yet a lot of those individuals are having to commute a long ways just to get into the Valley for work or into downtown LA. And I guess they could spend a lot more to live closer because they wouldn't have as much of a drive. Or they could get a different job. And But I think you're going to say, well, but then they're not going to make... Easy? Yes, you're just going to have to take a job that makes less money. And isn't that is that worth or shouldn't that be worth a human life? And th the answer to that is, well, I think we all want to say yes at face value. But the reality is, as we go, hmm. Maybe not. Maybe it's worth some people dying so our life's a little bit more convenient so that we can drive cars. That's the yeah, reality of the situation. The the end reality of it is is that. And yes, and I mean really what this was supposed to highlight, Paul, is that people are thinking in these absolute black and white terms, not realizing that they're not applying those black and white terms to every aspect of their lives. They're somewhat being hypocritical. They're saying in this situation, no matter yeah. what, like you are you are not considering these things. And it's like, well, we always don't consider that stuff. Like we always play this balancing act where if it gets too much, well, we don't like it. But if it's a little bit, it's okay. Yeah, but even when you're in your car and everything, you take all the uh, the right precautions and everything. And if you're if you're acting negligently or recklessly or you're breaking the law, you get in trouble for not engaging in behavior that we would look at as reasonable and proper. I mean, if you're going out in public to, to and an extent, we, that that would be like saying that um, that uh, well, I've taken all the precautions I can with COVID virus by getting a good night's sleep and drinking lots of water. I wash my hands all the time. Um, you know, I keep six feet. And you're like, yeah, but you're not you're not wearing a mask, and it's yeah. it, you're saying like well, that person's not taking all the precautions because they're not wearing a mask. And what I would say to that is we don't take all the precautions with cars. We, every single one of us speeds. If you say, yeah. well, I don't speed. Yes, you do. Do you go 66 in a 65 mile an hour zone? And you go, oh, well, yeah, I do that. Well, that's speeding. That's breaking the law, isn't it? Yeah. And so we're not always taking all the precautions necessary in these situations. Uh, yeah. I, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to argue with it. I get it. Yes, I do think people should wear face masks. Like, I'm just saying there are so many nuances with this. In fact, really, we started this out by me saying that, like, 
I'm slightly annoyed by those people. I, I wonder if I should say anything that the, the people who aren't wearing face masks, because I feel like it's rude to me. Like, I feel like they think it's a, a bit of a fuck you to the government and like, they're not going to tell me what to do. But I feel like if I was someone really concerned, like that's just disrespectful to other people, their neighbors, their coworkers. Well, I think it's disrespectful. Well, that's why in, uh, in China and Japan, they wear those masks. It's just a common courtesy. And it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean you won't get COVID because you're wearing a mask. Like it doesn't mean that it's just, it's just what's a reasonable step that we can take to get this over with and still have the economy open. And my thing is, is that the left looks at it like this is the end of the world. And yet they go out and protest and then, you know, call out the right uh, when they uh, aren't wearing a mask, when they say that they, you know, they have their right to go to the grocery store and not have to wear a mask. And they're like, it's not the same. It's like, well, you, you need to get food. But both sides, I think, just need to act reasonably, just like the right. They don't know what the future holds with COVID. Like, nobody knows. There's just so much uncertainty, and yet we live in this world of just absolutes in terms of political philosophy. And I'm just saying, like, what's the best thing that we could be doing right now to have just a better future? Like, I don't want to wear masks forever and have to do social distancing all the time. Right. And who knows? Maybe we find out in the future that COVID just really wasn't that bad, and we went a little bit overboard, and we need to put in standards in the future to look for certain uh, uh, diseases that are more contagious that would warrant lockdowns and face mask wearing and and that kind of stuff but we learn but this we learn by going through the motions and having something happen yeah i so i do somewhat we can't go too extreme but we also can't just sit back and do absolutely nothing at the same time right I mean, because this is a free country, that's sort of what it takes. And unfortunately, we're going to have to suffer the consequences of freedom, which is in a free country, if people are able to make their own decisions and we want to let them make their own decisions and we need to respect that and we don't want laws to impose upon people, well, when they make dumb decisions or decisions that we think are dumb or in hindsight 2020 are dumb, then we just have to deal with the repercussions of that and allow that to correct our behavior. Um, yeah. And what I would say is, while that sucks and on the one hand and in the moment, um, the other option is losing your freedom. And for me, I go, well, maybe I don't mind m- losing freedom so much. But to a lot of people, I think there is a sense of nationalism instilled in them from the time they are young and they really care about freedom because freedom equates to America and what life's about and why I'm, you know, I'm better, why my country's better than everywhere and why I'm so lucky to be here. Um, Well, I do really care about it. I I do, I do really care about it, but there are certain societal norms because we are a very diverse country. Like everyone from all over the world wants to come to America to make it their home. Mm -hmm. And you have laws in place so that people can get along as a massive society. So you try to make it as free as possible. And I talk about freedom in terms of of ideas and everything. I mean, you would even talk to conservatives and they would talk about, uh, you know, the right to uh, their property rights and everything. Well, you Mm -hmm. are restricting another person's behavior, but that's your property. And then the same pertains to businesses and and so on and so on. So, so every single, every, each side has their own version of freedom. And I think it's good that we try to maximize as much of it as we can across the entire board. But it's like, you know, if, if, I am rolling up to a stop sign and it's clear in all directions and I roll through the stop sign and a cop pulls me over. I'm getting a ticket. 
Yeah. But I already know that rolling through that stop sign is illegal. Like you have to come to a full and complete stop. You right. cannot do a California stop. And that you and I could argue all day long, but I know what the rules are. And you could say it's a dumb law. You can work to uh, reform the system and get the law repealed. But I guarantee you the law was probably put in place because too many people were doing that in situations where it wasn't warranted. And let's say a pedestrian gets hit or they rolled in front of a car they didn't see coming because they didn't take the the time to stop. And it's like, well, and, and someone like me would be like, well, I'm not that guy doing that. It's like running red lights. Right. I, I have people all the time that, you know, they'll talk about about speeding you just said that you speed and all that if i'm in an intersection and it's midnight and there's no one around and i'm at a left-hand turn lane and it's red i'm going through it typically me too (laughs) i do that exact same thing (laughs) yes and people flip out about it like oh you think you're better than me i'm like no because if i get pulled over like i tell my brother-in-law if i get pulled over then and maybe i should be saying this because you're gonna incriminate yourself but yes yes but the thing is 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 that I will take personal responsibility because I know that I'm doing something I, I, I'm not supposed yeah. to. So I'm not even going to take the time to argue the merits of it because I already know I'm doing something wrong. But people are so programmed. And maybe that's what the, the right is talking about is that it's a slow uh, march towards taking away your freedoms to where it becomes a new normal. But I don't know anyone that wants to wear a mask indefinitely. Yeah. No, and I, I don't think a think lot of people would does. have a problem. And I think the whole point of the wearing the mask is is that we don't know. So six feet wearing a mask, it seems like that the coronavirus doesn't last very long outdoors because of UV light. You go inside, uh, you wear a mask, you social distance. It's still not a perfect system, but it seems like that prevents your breath from reaching the other person Um in such a way that the virus actually dies on the way to the person is deactivated by the time. Sure. It even if it cuts person. it in half, like that's better than nothing. I, yeah. I, and if it cuts it in half, that's fine. Yeah, exactly. So I just don't like that. Everyone seems to know. And I just come from the position of being like, I really don't know. I can't tell you what the future holds. I can't tell you what it looks like. If 70% of Americans get COVID, uh, I don't know what that looks like. And so my feeling is, is let's just try and be reasonable. Um, it's just like we would with cars. Like you have a, you have to maintain your car to a certain way. Uh, you know, you have to get, uh, you go and you have it inspected oil changes, that kind of stuff. You can't have tires that are too worn down. You can get a ticket for that, right. a fix it ticket. And those are just reasonable precautions because we do know that there are a large amount of automobile deaths. Does that prevent every single one? No. But it's just like, you know, if you're getting an operation at a a hospital, look how many deaths there are in the United States because people get uh, bacterial and viral infections after going into surgeries or just from going into the hospital itself. Should the doctors just have the freedom to say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to wear my gloves. I'm not going to wear my mask and I'm not going to wear my gown because uh, because I believe in my freedom not to. And you could and they could say like, well, we already have so many deaths because of, uh, like I just said, the uh, bacterial infections and the like that what's the point? And it's just like, well, we need to be as reasonable as possible. We won't be able to prevent them all. We just need to do what's right in the moment 
in the hope that the doctor won't be infected or if the doctor has something on them, it'll be washed off when they wash their hands. Mm -hmm. They get into a sterilized type of suit. They wear a mask. And then we just try as hard as we can to do the right thing, you know? Yeah. And that's just kind of the way that, that I look at it. And you do, the doctor still doesn't know in that point in time whether or not that patient, once they survive the operation if they won't in the future get a bacterial infection from something else that was missed in the room, like there's all kinds of errors that can occur, Yeah, but it's just, you know, try to be reasonable because we don't always know. Well, and I, again, I think that what I would come back to though is with the people who aren't or seemingly being unreasonable with this stuff are feeling like, uh, they're being told what to do. And so it's, it's not about like, it becomes this yeah. fight against like, you know, who's right and who's wrong. And, and like, I absolutely know, like, this is not going to make a difference and I don't want someone telling me what to do. And you saying, just listen, like follow along, obey authority. Um, and I, I also feel like it's funny because probably a lot of these people who are, you know, saying follow authority are probably people who, you know, would be like, well, when a police officer tells you to put your hands up, you you just have to put it up no matter what. And it's like, okay, but what about the mask? So again, it goes back to a lot of this hypocrisy stuff. It's um, because it's different, yeah, differences in, in yeah. ideas and everything. But like I told you at lunch, the reason why I enjoy wearing the mask is because people can't tell that I'm a mouth breather. Like I noticed <laughs> myself in the grocery store and I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, nobody knows I'm mouth breathing, breathing, because I'm, I'm pretty sure that I have a deviated septum. Like yeah. my the right side of my nostril is completely just messed up. I had to have broken my nose at some point. Well, and so it, it's funny. Some of these people are wearing their masks underneath their nose, and I feel like most people breathe through their nose. So I'm like, wait. I mean, I get some of this is supposed to stop spit, but also like if it's coming out your lungs and your nose, doesn't this sort of negate some of? what the mask is supposed to be doing. I don't know. Look, when <laughs> well, that's why we're, well, that's why we're such a ridiculous society. Like, I, like I don't even get mad if I see someone that's not wearing a mask, you know, it, it, as long as they don't say anything to me, I'm just like, what, like, whatever. Like you I'm know, in, I'm, I don't I'm know in the either. group that, I just don't know. I don't know what to think. And I've been finding myself thinking about it. Like, well, I just think it's, it's sad. I think the whole entire, I think the whole, the, the fact that we're such a polarized country and that there is no way to bridge the gap between the parties and everything is so hyper politicized. I think it, it's sad that, that we can't unite. Like, you know, the most united I've ever seen this country is when someone flew two planes into our building in the yeah. Pentagon and then in the, in the middle of a field in Pennsylvania. And everyone's like, yes. Yes, we will unite as one. Everyone will fly a flag and we love America. Maybe this is a good time to to pivot because I feel like this brings up um, a point that I want to make that's sort of come up uh, a lot about like the the two-party system and voting for a third party. And we talked about this a little bit last episode. And I feel like I didn't make a point that I wanted to make that maybe we should spend a, a while talking about or exploring. Um, and the point is, is that like people's behaviors typically do not change until they've hit rock bottom and they've experienced a consequence. So 10 minutes ago I was saying like, you know, part of the issue with not the issue with freedom, but part of the 
cons of having freedom is that you're just going to have to deal with whatever consequences come with that. You let it allow people, you're going to allow people to make decisions. Well, then, uh, you know, you want people to have freedoms and they can have guns. Well, then every once in a while, you're going to get a school shooting and a mall shooting. Should that be your yeah. biggest fear in life? No, because homicides happen at a, uh, about 17,000 incidences per year compared to the uh, 45,000 suicides per year. So actually, you're more likely to kill yourself than somebody else. Probably don't worry about that. Uh, yeah. Also, like you're probably really just going to eat yourself to death because of the 500,000 deaths related to obesity and heart disease and sugar intake or cancer. Is it, is it that high? Uh, yeah, it's about 500,000, wow. half a million. Um, and cancer is about 600,000. Car accidents are about 200,000. So relative to that, million and a half I just mentioned this 17,000 homicides per year are kind of nothing I don't think we need to worry about that as much um, and so what I'm what I'm saying is just we have to deal with consequences and consequences will change our behaviors if it's bad yeah. enough um, and so kind of what I wanted to uh, get this to or, or turn this back around to is it um, involves voting in the two-party system as last time we were talking about you know people saying you can't vote in this election for a third party it's too important you uh if you don't vote for biden you're voting for trump and you get the exact opposite as, of that as well um yeah but you know i think something that's really important to point out is that people don't change their behavior when everything's going well things aren't going great at work for you and you go you know what I'm going to go in and ask for a raise. They just gave you one. You're happy. Everybody's happy. Nothing's going wrong. You know, you don't yeah. go to AA when you're not having issues. You have a few beers every night and um, everything's good with the wife and the kids. And, uh, you know, you're, you're not worried about that. Your job's fine. No. You go to AA when your wife's ready to leave you, when your kids are afraid of you, when you're late to your job every day and you're not making it on time. Uh, that's when people change their behavior and start going to rehab or Alcoholics Anonymous. People don't ask for a raise until they feel like they've been treated like shit for a year or a year and a half. And they're honestly, even if things are going okay, it's typically when someone starts getting upset with them or they're getting overworked or things get crazy at work and chaotic, then they feel like they deserve the raise and they ask. What I'm trying to say is people do not change their behavior until things are going poorly. And so some of the things that I've been hearing, again, about this whole two-party system and voting for a third party is, well, now is not the time to do it. And, and again, I don't think I brought this up last time, or even if I did, I think I want to drill the point home a little bit more is, you can say now is not the time to do it, but when things are going great, when we're all happy with our president, no one's going to vote for a third party then either. Yeah. When you... Uh, are okay with the Democrat or the Republican winning, and it's not what people are calling such a momentous election or such a crucial election because the fate of America rests in our hands if Trump's elected again. Uh, I heard the same shit with Obama for the second term, that he's the Antichrist and we're all going to burn in hell if he's elected again. And look, we're yeah. still here, not burning in hell. So I get it. Trump sucks and you don't like him, but we're we're going to be fine in four years. We'll still be here. 
Okay. And you go, well, I have friends and family who were affected by ISIS and that. Okay. How many of the 320 million people are affected by that? And the answer is a small majority. I'm not saying it's cool and I'm not saying it's all right, but like that doesn't affect everybody. Um, it doesn't affect many people. And when it doesn't affect many people, people tend not to care less. Sorry. I do care. I think that sucks. Yeah, you said care about people. Uh, no, ICE. ICE, the uh, um, oh, deportation. Oh, oh, oh. I was like, ICE. Okay. I was like, wait, what? Okay. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, the uh, people who are um, here illegally and being deported um, and the children are being yeah. split up. Like, I don't, I'm not condoning that at all. And then you go, well, then why are you not going to vote for Biden? Why are you going to allow Trump to possibly win again? And it's, because, and, and people will say this is my white privilege, and maybe it is. Maybe my white privilege is that I don't have to be affected by that, okay? But the reality yeah. of the situation from my standpoint is this. If not now, then when? Because when things are better, people are not going to vote for a third party. This is when people decide to vote for somebody else, when they don't like Biden and when they don't like Trump, when you don't like the two options that are being forced down your throat. So you could tell me now is not the time for change, but now is the only time that things are capable of changing because they're not capable of changing when everything's okay. But they do that intra-party. What so, do you mean? They do it within their own party. So they don't, it's not like, uh, like with alcoholism or obesity or smoking or whatever, you know, you hit a point where you self-reflect and you realize like, I need to do something about it. So you do something drastic and you'll go to, let's say an, an AA meeting, because like you said, you hit bottom. But what if the fear, that's fear because of your own actions. But when the fear is being driven by other people. You know, the right is they're a bunch of conservative evangelical racists. And if we allow Trump to come in, you know, Biden's our only option. And then they'll look at Biden and they'll say, like, look at socialism and Marxism. Look at uh, the policies they want to implement. They want to defund the police. They're, they're calling for anarchy and the destruction of our Constitution. What they do is that they just they basically just cling to their party system. I mean, I'll be perfectly candid and honest, like I'm probably going to vote for Biden. And the reason is, and it's not a vote for Biden, it is a vote to hopefully get Trump out of office because he is further dividing the nation. Like we've elected an individual that is representative, represents our own anger. I think Bernie Sanders was kind of a reflection of that. And you could say Bernie Sanders oh, is agree. a more, more benign form. But he was uh, a more extreme example of our fear of the other side and I our want to reform. Agree. And you're saying that we should put our, our, our chips in a different party altogether um, to reform things. But when you have something that is like what well, the book that I'm reading right now, I hope to get it get through it by next week so I can talk about it. But they talk about a doom loop. And it's just like this this loop that feeds, you know, you get Obama in office and then all of a sudden they're like, you know, we're going down as a nation. We have socialized medicine. We're going to bankrupt this country. Uh, he's putting in all of these policies that are uh, the opposite of America. Then Trump gets in and then all of a sudden the left engages in a bunch of fear and like we need to reform. And But it's all yeah. within their own party. So there is no significant change. They just double down 
on their beliefs each and every election and end up going for someone that they don't actually like. So it would actually require, I think, a reform of the way in which we uh, we actually elect the people that represent us. Yes, and I, I agree. I think, and that reform is not going to come at a time when things are going well. Uh, I exactly. Do, I do not. I, I have not seen behavior change uh, drastically and significant revolution in times of peace. That is not when these types of things occur. You don't go, oh, well, uh, look at how America was formed. Everything was going great. And we were just like, hey, let's branch off. And they're like, yep, let's shake hands on it. You can branch off. No, it's people were imposing their their beliefs and their taxes upon other people who didn't like it. And I'm sure there's more to it than this. Um, yeah. But things weren't going well and that led to revolution. Okay. Yeah. Um, during the civil war things, it's not like everything, uh, beforehand was going great. And then there was just this one disagreement. It's things were wrong and had been going wrong. And then there was revolution. Okay. Yeah. So, so what I'm saying is that, look, um, maybe even what I'm saying a little bit is why not let it go more wrong? So we reach the revolution sooner. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but but things don't change until it gets bad enough. So, but what what does revolution look like, though? I, like in your I mind, what is revolution? Oh, like what would I like to see on the other side of this system? Well, no, 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 not on the other side. I mean, what does revolution look like to you if things keep going the way that they are? Like, what is the probable outcome? So if things keep going the way they are, what I picture is uh, a world uh, about 15 to 20 years from now. So the year is 2040 um, that are uh, really, here's what I would say, if I'm if I'm thinking about this and the way it keeps going, um, that businesses, businesses, uh, and, and lawmakers and businesses are sort of completely one in the same, even though they already are already, um, that people are continually having more laws made that they feel like are not benefiting them. And so uh-huh. that there is a greater gap between people who are in poverty and people who are not in poverty and that we have more people in poverty, more civil unrest uh, and that division lies further amongst the people who are in poverty. So I don't see this as being a classist thing where it's going to be like the poor versus the rich. It's going to be the poor versus the poor. And which side do you think it's on when both sides are doing it to the point of that there will be uh I wouldn't say things like militias or things like that, but I worry about uh civilian violence against other civilians in 20 years. I worry about it not being this dystopian future, but this thing where you probably have more murders, more killings, more hatred, more fighting against the other side because of belief systems. That's my biggest fear. If we don't change this. That that doom loop that you're talking about continues to yeah. build. So we we talk about this a lot in um, in psychology. Uh, when you talk about family systems or black box theory, there's what's called a feedback loop. Okay, yeah. and and this works uh, like you've probably heard the term feedback as it pertains to audio equipment as well. And let me just explain how feedback works with audio equipment. 
Okay. You have some type of microphone like I'm speaking into now and some type of amplification system that puts the sound of the microphone out at a louder sound than what's coming into it. Okay. That's the whole point of it. Like a megaphone. Do you ever wonder why we don't get feedback when we're talking into these microphones here with you and me on the other side of the computer? If it's not facing an amplifier. It's because my headphones are on and the sound can't go into it. If I took my headphones off right now, put them over the microphone and blew into the mic, you would hear feedback. Because what would happen then is my headphones would put out sound that would go into the microphone, then come out the headphones and go into the mic and it feeds back. It creates a loop of the sound that amplifies it every time and gets louder and louder and louder. And what you're talking about with this doom loop it's the that, same thing. It, it's well, just just real quick, because it, it's funny that you mentioned that because in the book that I'm reading, when he talks about the doom loop, he talks about a feedback loop in terms of a microphone being placed directly in front of an amplifier. The amplifier gives off a ping. The mic picks it up. The amplifier gives off a louder ping, and then the mic picks up that louder ping, and then it's just this louder, 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 louder until the whole entire thing is screeching. Yep. That's exactly what it is. And it's that same ping that keeps coming out. It's just getting louder and louder and louder. And then all of a sudden it just becomes a screech, like you said. Okay. Yeah. But 15 to 20 years, I think that's, uh, I think that's a pretty long timeline. Like I actually see this stuff happening. uh, Much quicker. A little, uh, what's that? Much quicker. Yeah. I, I see things happening a lot quicker. I don't know if I am of the opinion that we'll enter into a civil war anytime soon. But like I've told my sister, I don't either. uh, Well, I've told my sister, I'm like, if you were a foreign country right now, the best thing that you could do, like, let's say you had someone that's willing to strap a bomb vest to themselves. The best thing you could do is go to, let's say a Trump rally. Uh, Trump doesn't even have to be there, but it's a conservative rally. Dress the person up in Antifa gear. Make sure that it's prominent. Make sure the individual walks by cameras. And first of all, make sure that they're not fingerprinted in any sort of database. They're, you know, let's say you can sneak them across the border somehow and you get them in here so they're not fingerprinted. They don't know the, uh, the you know, they can't trace the blood, any of that kind of stuff. Dress them up in Antifa gear. Make sure that they get in front of cameras and then they go into a crowd of conservatives and blow themselves up. Like I'm saying that George Floyd was a catalyst, but what will be the catalyst for conservatives who tend to be fully armed or more armed than their liberal counterparts? What gets them to rise up in a civil war type of a fashion? And I think if you were a foreign country, you would just want us to eat our eat ourselves at this point. So you just right. need a catalyst that's big enough to cause that. And I know. It's kind of a dark scenario I just painted, but I think that that type of scenario would be enough, even though Antifa is such a small representative of the overall population. I mean, you know, what are yeah. they like? 0.001% of the population. <laughs> oh, but if you were to. Less than that, they, because 0.001 would still be like, what, 10,000 or 100,000 people? Like, yeah. I couldn't there, imagine there's that many people who claim to be Antifa in the United States. Exactly. But if you were to. But if they were to put out, you know, camera footage. And they were to say, like, yeah, the individual is dressed up in Antifa. We can't, we don't know who the person is, where they came from. People could speculate all day long. But in the, in the world that we live in right now, conservatives would be absolutely positive and sure 
that that was an Antifa group. Yeah. The Democrats would obviously try to deflect that and say no. And even if it was, it doesn't reflect our values. But at what point does it become too late? And then we just literally start eating ourselves alive before any of the reforms that you talk about come into place. Sure. That's that's my fear. Like, I don't think the government like today I was talking with an individual um, who is it rayon they work with their uh basically a government contractor and they developed the avenger drone raytheon raytheon there we go rayon yeah i knew i had it wrong raytheon yeah i met up with a friend today uh for a hike just above san inez and there was this guy at one of this uh guy there with his wife and there was um a little hiking trail and some water and all that kind of stuff. And we got into a, a conversation because my friend's uh, kids were just kind of waiting in the water and everything. And I told him about the Dark uh, Sky Festival in Sequoia. And I told him he should, you know, he should go. And he's like, well, what is that? And I'm, I'm like, it's a big NASA event. And it's, there's a bunch of people that just geek out on, uh, you know, uh, astrology and all that kind of stuff or astronomy rather. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, yeah, it'd be a really interesting thing for you to go to. This is before I knew he was an engineer. And I told him that there was a keynote speaker there that was involved with lasers you know some of the largest lasers uh, laser across the beams world. laser beams and then he was like yeah we uh he's like i actually work in that field oh wow and what's that i said oh wow yeah up. so we you know we started getting into a conversation about that i completely forgot where i was going to go with that though <laughs> Can you get me back on track? I started going on, like I digressed, and I started going on this tangent. So, I mean, we were talking about um, where the world is going to be 20 years from now if this behavior doesn't change, uh, or if we don't change because we've got this doom loop going on. Um, and so we were saying like that we're, we're just going to eat ourselves. You we were talking about, um, you know, another country sending somebody in and pretending to be Antifa. Uh, but I have no idea where you were going with it. Um, I can, Crab, I had a, I, I feel bad, but I had a, it's the end of the, the well, day. It's almost eight o'clock. Yeah. You'll think of it. And I had a, yeah, I had a point to, to make. It was a really interesting conversation though on the technology and everything. And actually, uh, we, I think we were, really on track with our robot analysis way back when we first started podcasting, which was interesting because he was like, that's where we're going. Where uh, are we going? Are, are you maybe were you talking about like robotic warfare? It, yeah, exactly. And I told him, I'm like, it would make sense for us that we would create robots and, and maybe they, they aren't the destructive type to where they're going to cause violence in other countries, but they'd be so overwhelming that they could, you know, essentially hogtie citizens uh, without losing any lives because they'd be so overwhelming. He's like, and he kind of, he couldn't talk a lot about the stuff, but he was like, yeah, he's like, that's where we're going, that we're going to, we're developing technologies that are so overwhelming that, um, oh, and that, that's, that's what I was going to say is that we're, I'm not war- like other countries are so inferior to us militarily that there's very little they can do against us militarily that will rock our boat. I mean, they, you sure. know, they flew in jetliners and all that and they used our own jetliners against us in that fashion. But in terms of another country attacking us, like I don't worry about that. If anything, these other countries want to engage in information warfare to cause us to self-destruct. And this right. guy, the technology he was talking about with him and the lasers 
he's like, listen, we have Russian MIGs, or it's not, I guess it's not a MIG anymore, but the uh, Russian jets that will fly by our drones. Uh-huh. And he's like, you don't want to fly by an Avenger. He's like, these are autonomous drones. They employ AI technology and they're censored. And I couldn't find this on any of the Wikipedia pages. So, but I don't, he, he was very careful. So I don't think he was telling me anything that was like classified, but he said that those MIGs would be put down by this drone in a heartbeat because the drone knows when there is an enemy combatant that is engaging or getting too close and it's threatening the drone's integrity and they will fire lasers that are capable of downing jets immediately. Yeah. Uh, You know, uh, I think that you have a fair point with this. I think that um, America, as far as we're concerned... Um, militarily, financially, all those things, I think our leaders are somewhat smart and, and play dumb or play weak, I should say. It's like they don't want to show the full force of America. And so we equal ourselves out a little bit with other big players in the world. So that way, not everybody knows what we have and not everybody tries to keep up with what we really have. So That's... Uh, That's exactly what he said. That's exactly what he said. He's like, if you knew the stuff that we were developing, he's like, your mind would be blown. He's like, that's why we were laughing when I guess they were working on supersonic missiles and we had some failures and the rush, uh, Russia and the Chinese said that they had beat us to it. And he started laughing and he's just like, that's not what happened. Yeah. He's like, we have the technology and we've per- perfected it. He's like, but we want to play dumb so that these other countries don't think that we have it. Right. And that's why they don't test us because they know that they can't beat us militarily. But I think they are getting the hint, though, that they can get the people within to beat the fuck out of themselves. Yes. And that's what's happening. You have Absolutely. people walking into department stores that are getting in fist fights over mass. Right. Over a mask, over a cloth mask, you know, shaming people. And it's the shame is occurring on both sides. There's no discussion anymore. And then you throw in, like you were saying, a third party candidate like Joe Jorgensen. She's running as a libertarian. And the thing with libertarians, it's like if you were to ask me honestly about religion, I would say, well, I'm an agnostic. And they'd be like, okay, well, do you believe in a religious God? I'm like, well, hell no. I'm an atheist in that fashion. Mm -hmm. But I can't tell you whether or not, like, why we came into existence. You know, I I obviously believe in the Big Bang, all of that kind of stuff. But if you ask me what happened prior or why the stuff was set into motion, I don't know. Do I I believe that there's someone in the sky that created all this? No. No, there has to be something much greater than that, a greater consciousness that would have thrown this stuff into motion, not someone that's in a human form because humans are too fallible. Like, so, but I look at the Libertarian Party as being almost like an agnostic. It's like, oh, so you just don't have an opinion about everything or about anything? It's like, well, no, I'm just, you know, I like some stuff that Democrats do. I like some stuff that Republicans do. I'm kind of just common sense about that. And they're like, well, that's not fun. (laughs) <laughs> you have to be you have to be an atheist or you have to be religious otherwise you well, you just don't have an opinion it's like I'm opinionated about everything right. but I never claim to know anything absolute absolutely you know every time I'm certain I can guarantee you I'm probably certainly wrong well and here's the thing isn't that what you would want from say your surgeon 
Isn't that what you would want from, say, like your dentist or your mechanic, not someone who's opinionated, but somebody who's like, I'm not sure. Let me test this out. I'm not sure. Let me be swayed by the data and look for more information on this before I fully come to an opinion. You wouldn't want to take your car to a mechanic and you're like, something's wrong with it. And they're like, it's a fan belt. It needs to be changed. Here, let me let me do it. And you're like, no, something's going on. And they're like, no, no, no. I know cars. I'm going to change your fan belt. That's what's wrong. I, f- yeah. I know. And it's, it's like, it's not about ego. N- yeah. You, you would not want that from a mechanic. You would not want that from a surgeon or a dentist. So why do yeah. you want that from a president? Yeah, exactly. Why do you, but that's, wouldn't you want a mechanic to then go, oops, I was, I, I thought I was, uh, the fan belt, but you know what? It's the alternator. I'm going to change that. And wouldn't you want your surgeon to go, Ooh, after further examining the x-rays, I was wrong. Um, I'm glad we took some second x-rays. Let's take third ones just to triple check, but you know, you're going to need, um, double bypass surgery, not a stint in your yeah. arteries. And someone then, that, that- yeah, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, that's that's all you want from a surgeon. But when a president does that and goes, or when a politician goes, well, you know, I'm not sure. Let me double check. Or, you know what? I'm sorry. I was wrong. Uh, this is actually what I think about it. We go, hang them. Hang them. Yeah. They are not fit to be president. They were wrong. They're yeah. a flip flopper. They're just pandering. They are not fit to be president. They're not standing by their views. And it's like, you don't expect that out of anybody. Why do you expect yeah. that out of a president? Well, um, I think we do as a society expect that out of people now. Like, I mean, I remember when I was uh, conservative and uh, the thing is, well, first of all, I'm not opposed to voting for a Republican again, as long as it's the right person with the right ideas. Like I've only voted sure. Democrat. This will be my second time. At prior years, I voted Republican. And can I say I feel bad that I didn't vote for Mitt Romney? Like... <laughs> eight years ago <laughs> after all like the well, things i see him do now i'm like i kind of really like that guy uh <laughs> i wanted it like he won I, I i strongly felt that he won he did win the first debate against obama and then someone in his staff a consultant and fuck consultants like listen you can consultants can give perspective and ideas and they may know things in certain areas but what made mitt romney good was that he was very authoritative in his first debate against Obama, but someone must have whispered in his ear and said, Hey, you know what? Like tone it down a little bit. Let, let's not make this an, an argument sort of thing. Uh-huh. Like, and he really, really toned it down. And I think it kind of changed the course, but a lot of Democrats now are like wishing that they would have had Mitt Romney, but that's the problem with Democrats is that they have to constantly label people immediately. Sure. Like I said in oh, prior and I podcasts. absolutely did uh, at the time label him immediately. I'm I'm just like, who is? Well, this we were different m- back then. You and I were. That both, was only uh, eight years ago, wasn't it, Romney? Or was that twelve? God, I don't I don't recall now. Who ran against Obama on the second term, and who ran against him on the first term? Uh, well, I think the first term it was Romney, and then uh, the second term it was McCain and Palin. Oh, was it? Or was Palin the first one? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. remember. I'm, I'm positive it was McCain-Palin uh, the last time around. And and that's the thing. It's like even with, with Sarah Palin, it's like, well, we need to get someone in there that, that's just different and vibrant because McCain is an older gentleman, so we need to get someone in there that has some youth and some vigor and some fire and it's, it's not about getting the person in that has good ideas or like you're saying, 
has a willingness to say, I don't know. Like, like, like with yeah. COVID, I, I don't know. Nobody knows. And it's okay to not know, but the, it requires leadership, effective leadership to say, I don't know, but we need to try and act as reasonably as, as possible. And that's why I really don't care if it's a, if a Democrat has a good idea or it's a Republican that has a good idea. I, I don't care. You like I used to call uh, Republicans that didn't adhere to specific ideology. I would call them rhinos, and that term is still thrown uh, around all the time. And what it's does that mean? Republic, Republican in name only. So oh, it's like, oh. oh well, they're not going with everything in lockstep, so they're a rhino, and that's so ridiculous. So so people can't have their own ideas anymore. You have to walk in lockstep with a party. Right. You can't have a nuanced discussion about stuff like you and I talked about, even with George Floyd. Like it's really hard to determine a lot of times if race is a factor. Yeah. You know, it's really hard to determine. But he may still, you know, the cop uh, Chauvin may get tried for first degree murder because he had a negative relationship with Floyd beforehand. Right. So they will get the verdict they want, which is, you know, potentially life in prison or the death penalty, mm-hmm. but they won't get it for the reason that they want, which is racism. Right. But these situations are so complicated and nuanced. Right. And everyone's afraid to have a nuanced opinion because their own tribe will attack them. Yes. Well, like you said, the le- the left will for the most part. Um, Absolutely. You pointed this out. The, the right, although you said there are still people who throw the term rhino around, I feel like you brought this up and I really agree with it, is that the right is a more united front and they seem to be more open within their party as That's opposed what I'm to, to understand. outside of it. Yes. And that's why I have a hard time. Like now that I consider myself a liberal, it doesn't mean that I consider myself a progressive. I consider myself a liberal. Like I believe in freedom and I believe in the, the freedom to exchange ideas and the freedom to be ignorant and the freedom to be wrong. Yes. And then to change course and try and right that ship because you only realize you're wrong by gaining new perspective. I learn stuff each and every day. Like I didn't realize like from reading this book that I'm reading that, you know, uh, lobbyists spend far more than the Senate and Congress spend on themselves. So no wonder staffers are overworked in Congress. They rely on lobbyists to write the laws for them and then they leave and then they get, you know, six uh, and seven figure jobs after leaving their staffing positions because it's like, well, shit, I'm going to be paid to work my ass off like I do in the Senate when they really should pay for more senators. But like you said, we passed so many laws and... What's that? Really quick. I know what a lobbyer is. A lobbyer is somebody who works for a company and takes money to go influence the politicians when they're voting on laws. But what's a staffer? Oh, a staffer is someone that works for the for works for a congressperson. So whether that's uh, the the Senate or the House, what specifically do so? um, That's sort of what I thought. But what specifically do they do for that senator? They're, they're the ones that are working on the, the back end. So if they want to get uh, new legislation written and drawn, they, they may have a staffer. Staffers a lot of times that are 
lawyers and they will do research and look at the laws and all that kind of stuff and aid because each senator has uh, they're representing a, a large constituency so they don't always have right. the time to draft everything themselves so they rely on staff to help them it's like a lawyer that has a paralegal you know, the, the lawyer is in charge of ensuring that the paralegal is doing what they're supposed to do and gives them the, the job and the scope of the job. And the paralegal basically does the research. They may draft uh, some documents, but the lawyer has to look that over and say, OK, this is this looks good. Or if it doesn't look good, like, why did you put this in there? Sure. That sort of stuff. The lawyer still has to do uh the bulk of the work, but they rely on paralegals for, you know, researching tasks and that kind of stuff. So you have staffers that are basically helping out. How many staffers will a politician, uh, a senator or a representative typically have? Do you know? I don't know uh, the exact number, and I think it varies in terms of varies between 10 and 20 or between five and 10. Do you know? I wouldn't know the numbers exactly, but I think it, I'd have to not uh, 200 though. Right. Like, well, I think, I think combined the house and the Senate spends, I think it was something like between, I think it was 2.5 and 3 billion, um, on running the house and the Senate. Whereas Meaning lobbying paying for staffers spent, and paralegals and all that shit. And well, this is everything. And this is annually. Yeah, just, their annual budget is $2 billion. Some something like that, yeah. Ooh. And I'll get the, the the number specifically for next week. But the, but the thing is, is that the lobbying groups, I think, we're spending between six and seven billion dollars, and yeah. more and more these uh, senators and House representatives are relying on lobbying groups to write a lot of the legislation uh, legislation for them. Yeah, and it's ridiculous. But like you were saying, with the amount of laws and regulations that we put into place we are spreading ourselves so thin by having so many laws and regulations that we don't have, we're not spending enough in areas that truly matter. Yeah. So we'll put in like the FDA, will put in a regulation for, uh, you know, let's say some type of food group. And then they're like, Hey, well, we don't have the money to enforce this. We don't have the staff to enforce it. Just like the IRS has been largely gutted. We don't have the, the staff to enforce this stuff. So we'll rely on individual taxpayers to be honest, or we'll rely on the companies to enforce it themselves. Yeah. But that defeats the point of the regulation. I mean, it's like if you and I, if they said, okay, well, we are going to defund the police and we're just going to rely on you to write yourself a ticket. <laughs> like how many fucking tickets would be written? Zero. Like. Yeah, so it becomes ridiculous, and that's why when we pass laws a lot of times, it's just to pat ourselves on the back. But I agree that we need uh, more voices out there in terms of other parties, but the system, I think, has to be tweaked a little bit, and it doesn't require any sort of constitutional amendments. Uh, I think you have to look at the voting system itself, and I think that we have looked at national politics as being the end all and be all when really the more important political platforms are our local politicians. I, and, I, but I we forget about that. I definitely agree with that, especially because you need to look at like what you're just saying. Federal politics has shifted from 
uh, being creating laws that are going to benefit the country long term, and we have mistaken the country for uh, this interchangeable term called corporations. What's going to benefit the corporations and the economy um, and in the stocks long term, and that so you have people coming in and lobbying, and now. It's like you spend all this money to get a staffer to research thing, uh, something, uh, and you're a congressman, but then someone comes along with a uh, million dollars and they're like, here you go. And you're like, oh, never mind. Never mind all the research that we just did to figure out how this is going to work. Here's a bunch of money. So that's going to work instead because I'm getting a bunch of money. I'll go with that. And so yeah. it's this weird parasitic thing where corporations have snuck and crept their way into the American political system and shifted it around. And instead of making this ab- about what is going to the better the lives of our system and make this as a republic work smoother and have these smoother exchange going back and forth like pistons in an engine going up and down and what's going to lubricate this and help this run long term, it has shifted and instead of looking at this and uh, from a perspective of how can we extend the life of this engine, we've started yeah. looking at another engine. We've started looking well, at it, maybe the wheels or the axles and saying, well, how do we make this last longer? Um, well, I and, think the checks and balances have just kind of eroded a little bit. And I, I, I think that corporations have always been an issue. And I don't know um, – how nefarious these corporations necessarily are. I think that just corporations like people act in their own self-interest. And if there isn't a check on that, then that stuff tends to, but should there be any, should there be any representation of corporate interest in the government in the United States? What, like the, we all work and have jobs at corporations. We're already representing the corporations ourselves, Paul. I'm going in there and voting and saying, well, look, we should be concerned about my company and these laws. And we should tell people's instead the, like the company's being, represented now twofold it's being represented on its own and through you and me why does it get double representation in our political system i don't it the the corporation's not looking out for me but i'm looking out for the corporation because it's my job and that's what i need do you see where how i'm saying it's got double representation but the corporation doesn't go in and and say well our employees we're really concerned about them and uh in their lives and we want to make sure that they go home and they make good money and can pay for their houses the corporation never does that but as human beings me and you we go in and we are concerned about certain economies within the United States. Okay. And so we represent them already. Right. Yeah. So why do they need double representation? Yeah, I can see that. And that would require, uh, some type of reform in order to, uh, get them out of the fray or lessen their political influence. Yeah. But I kind of, it's, it's just when things start to explode, but it's like, I was uh, on a hike probably a month or two ago, and I was just looking at all of the trees and shrubs and grass, and I was kind of looking at that like like our capitalistic system. You have the underlying grass that is yelling at the, the giant oak trees that are surrounding it, like, you motherfuckers are taking up all of our sunlight, and you, you have these giant roots that are sucking all the minerals and resources out of the ground. And then the middle class, the shrubs, 
they're they're just like you know the grass is creeping up on me and everything like i don't want them to take my position but then they're looking up at the oak tree too saying like this fucking oak tree like it takes a lot for me to maintain my shrubbery and it's taking everything from me but then if you were to cut out that oak tree then you're just being blasted by the sun the grass dies right Paul, are you high right now <laughs> no you, you goddamn hippie <laughs> do i sound like well no i was just looking were at you high at the time if, if, if the if the plant if the plants could talk wouldn't they be wouldn't they no, be having the I, same arguments that we have but the problem is is not necessarily the I, arrangement that they have right now where you have the underlying grass and then you have the the sparse shrubbery sure. and then you have the oak, I see the what giant you mean. oak trees but, it, but in this situation it's always been a, it's in, what's in like then you'll look at like invasive species that'll come in different plant lives that will disrupt the system and even that sometimes that'll cause uh like little kind of micro pro- problems within the general yes. ecosystem but if there's an overall shift in something what like let's say it's like climate change or something then things start to destruct from you know the top the middle and the bottom they right. all start to kind of erode so I don't know if we're in that type of situation. Hopefully my well, my uh, analogy or metaphor kind of stands up, oh, but I, I was just looking at it I think it, it like, definitely does. I understand where you're coming from. It was just totally a stoner thought um, because... It, it kind of is, yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, and, but here's what I want to say. Um, I want to uh, just... I want to change the perspective a little bit because I don't know how many people are thinking about this. You know, the United States is not a democracy. We are a republic. And what the difference is is, uh, between a democracy and a republic is that in a democracy, when you vote, your vote directly affects things. But in a republic, your vote gets represented by somebody else. Okay. Yeah. So that's why we are, um, you know. Uh, one one nation. Wait, what? What's the <laughs> pledge of allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands? Like for which it stands? Yes. So it, it's not to the democracy for which it stands. It's the republic. Okay. Um, what that means is, and granted, we could try and change this, and in fact, maybe that's what we should get back to because you sort of brought this up. So so let me finish this thought and I'll bring it all back around, hopefully. But what that means is we vote for people to make decisions for us because we generally think like that they can make better overall decisions and that at times they are going to disagree with what we say. Hence the electoral college. Okay. So we vote for people to go and represent us and then vote for what they think is best because we might be slightly misinformed in their education is in this. The The whole point of all of this isn't to say that the American person is stupid. It's to say that there are so many things to know. There are so many laws that pass every year. I think years ago when I knew the stats on this, it was something like 80,000 pages of legislature pass every year in the United States. Now that's both... Yeah at the federal and state level combined. But that is so much law that nobody could ever know this stuff. And so it's got to be someone's job to know it and to at times say, well, I get where you guys are coming from, California, and I'm here to represent you, but like you're, you're not understanding this. That's the job of a senator. That's the job of somebody in the House of Representatives. 
Okay. What I'm saying is with lobbying is that their job has been compromised. We're paying them to go do it and a company's coming in and paying them to do something else. Okay. They're already supposed to know about all this shit. They already have the staffers to look all this up. And so one big thing that really, really needs to change is that lobbying has no business in politics because they're already representative. Uh, This is a republic, and it is their job to go in and represent not only the people, but the people's livelihoods will be sustained if their jobs are sustained and the economy is sustained and the corporation is sustained. And so the corporation should already be represented in this. Maybe it's the type of lobbying, though. Just real quick, maybe it's the type of of lobbying. Because the thing is, is that you want citizens to be able to group together and let's say form a, a, a group that will lobby uh-huh. for a specific type of change. And you would want like a representative in government to, to hear them out, you know, especially if the group gets large enough and everything and there's enough people sure. that are within that group. So there's varying types of lobbying groups. I think you, so you're basically set, talking about corporations specifically. I'm talking about any lobbying that has money and the money is going to a politician. Like you might know better than I do. Where does that money go? When somebody comes in to represent Pfizer and they go, well, you know, uh, Senator uh, McCain, I think you should vote this way on this preposition or proposition. And here's $800,000. Does that change your mind? Where does that money go? Does it go to the staffers? Does it go to the Senate? Does it go to us, the, the taxpaying citizens of America? Or does it go to McCain's bank account? Well, that's why they'll they'll set up a lot of. Well, no, it can't go directly to his bank account. So where does it go? Be a conflict of interest. Well, they'll create uh, think tanks. Uh, a lot of times, corporations will create large think tanks, and like the Heritage Foundation, for example, and they'll employ social scientists and staffers and stuff that think a particular way, and they'll work to write legislation. And there's nothing wrong with a group sending or proposing legislation and basically doing the job of their representative for them because every single citizen can do that but it's the level of influence that these lobbying groups have and the amount of money that's spent that's disproportionate to the average citizen or the average uh, societal lobbying group that would be like a grassroots type of organization because even unions would have a disproportionate ability to lobby because they have a lot of resources or at least back when unions were a lot larger they had more influence so i think lobbying can be a good thing because it creates a bit of a, a tug of war but when we're not uh when we're not spending as um, as much as we need to be on staffing operations to ensure that senators can write the legislation that truly works for the people without being uh, biased or written by a corporation, then I think we we end up having problems. But not all the time, though. Like, it, not all the time. That's why I'm trying to figure out a solution off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, you know, Citizens United is uh, an issue, that decision and everything. But What is Citizens um, United? Can you explain that? Yeah, it had to do with uh, campaign contributions, and that's what's basically allowed uh, super PACs and stuff to balloon the way that they have. So uh, you're not necessarily spending uh, a ton on a particular 
politician. They spend a bunch of money on a super PAC. That super PAC has a lot of power and influence. Uh, I think some of the donors can uh, uh, be anonymous. I would have to look specifically again because there was um, various pr- provisions in it um, that altered the status quo that we had prior to that decision. So a super PAC just, is a political action committee, committee. which may yeah. raise unlimited sums of money from corporations, uh-huh. unions, uh, but is not permitted to con- uh, contribute or coordinate directly with parties or candidates. Yes. So there's an attenuation between the super PAC and the representative but they're acting on behalf of the representative. So they're the ones that are paying for, you know, all of these various negative ads that we see each and every year in every election. Um, but even politicians now, they spend so much time fundraising. Mm-hmm. I mean, it takes just an inordinate, inordinate amount of money to run for so, office. And so win. that's what is bizarre though. Okay. So let's say, and like, as I'm going through lobbying, it says that um, each firm can only donate $5,000 to a um, congressperson per year. So they can't give them money. Yes. They can only give yes. them up to $5,000, which if you've got 100 companies, well, that's $500,000, half a million dollars. So there's probably still some good money coming around here. But um, Yes, they're spending money on basically creating their own ecosystem that pumps out legislation. Yes. And then they try to persuade the representatives to go with them. But so there still is an enormous amount of persuasion. Um, there, and again, there is. From my perspective, is that really what our government should be focused on is laws around corporations? Okay. And or should they be focused on how to make laws around the United States outside of the corporations better, okay? Because the issues that we're seeing right now, Paul, within the United States, would you say they're related to corporations or would you say they're related to individuals getting along and how they're treated? Would you say it's more related to civilians versus the police department? Would you say it's more related to the relations between the left and the right? Like, it doesn't seem like corporate issues are the biggest pressing issues right now that our politicians need to be focused on solving. Like, the whole point of laws and legislation is to solve problems. Yeah. What I'm getting at is I feel like there are problems that are not being solved because they're being overshadowed somehow by, you know— by these corporations. And it sounds like I got it wrong a little bit that I was thinking that the lobbyists directly give money to the, um, to the, uh, Congress people, the congressmen. No, there's, they're limited just like, uh, individuals like you and I would be limited in, in, in giving contributions and everything. But there's you know, there's a loophole for, for everything. And, We, I think a lot of politicians have to go along to get along because everything is influenced by money now. And I, I don't think it's necessarily a solution-based system where you can actually think about ideas on the left and the right and try to thread the needle and find the best idea through compromise. Right. I think it's you know shouting for your position over and over and over and over again. And that's why you see with like the presidents and everything, there's more and more executive orders that are being issued because Congress doesn't get anything done like it used to. Right. And a lot of it is like you said, is they are focused on so much of their time goes to campaigning. Like 
It's yeah. almost like there should be a simple law that like, let's meet in the middle. Okay. They get elected for four years and then they get revoted on every four years. Uh, um, whether it's the, the house or the Senate, um, or president or whatever. Um, and senators, if I'm not mistaken, can have unlimited terms in office, correct? They, they're not limited to just the eight years that a president is. Um, they're only allowed to, they can be in office for as many times as they're elected, right? Yeah, well, I mean, that's why you have uh, uh, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. I mean, look how long she's been in there. Yes. So what so. if there were term limits that said, look, once you're in, you're you're in for eight years, but you can never run again. Or if you run again, you have to step out of office and then run again so you don't spend any of your time that you're supposed to be working for us working for yourself trying to get in again. Because that sounds like bullshit to me. Don't You cannot go directly from a state of congressperson to presidency because or any other elected position because, again, now you're spending your time. Look, um, when people are running for president and they're a congressperson or a representative, you are now taking time off of your job that you're still getting paid to do to do something else. And that seems like a little bit yeah. of bullshit to me. Okay. Well, and I don't know if I would go that far because if you have someone that, you know, let's say goes into the Senate and let's say that you impose term limits, like you're saying, and they're just really good at what they do, I would want to have the chance to vote for them. So they can uh, come back again and, and so they can run in eight years. They just need to take some time out of office. They can still run. I'm not saying they should never be able to run. Yeah. I'm saying they shouldn't be spending their time doing that. Look, you're saying we're, we're going to miss out on a good president. Name the last time we had a great president that everyone was super happy about and we were excited about. I'm not too worried about missing out on that great president right now. What I'm more worried about is all, all the... The just weird fishy shit that seems to be going well, on in politics. Look, I'm not claiming to know a whole lot about this. Um, I mean, clearly I just made a, a, a mistake with the whole lobbying thing. And so my perspective is skewed a little bit. Well, but I think I may have explained it poorly, too. I was kind well, of vague but, in the way I was talking about it. No, I, wasn't but talking, I, mean, I was talking about how much the lobbyists spend on their operations. I, not I how had much a preconceived notion that lobbyists were able to directly hand like capped at a million bucks or 800,000 bucks to a politician. It'd be um, a conflict of interest, but it's like, you know, with doctors well, being influenced by pharmaceutical companies, yeah. they don't give them direct money directly. They'll say, Hey, you know, let's take you on a vacation and yeah. blah, blah, blah. No, we'll I was going to say, seminar. we'll put you up in the It's all a conflict of interest. You're all, Everything we're talking about right now is changing the politician's interest. Look, if if the politician was already interested in in um, corporations and stuff, there would have been no need for these you know lobbyists and super PACs in the first place coming in to represent the corporations. Okay. So yeah. already they weren't focused on this. And so the whole point of this is to change their interest and the whole way that they're able to change their, their interest uh, to me seems like it's a conflict again, maybe not in the sense that there's money involved directly uh, exchanging hands. But again, the, the conflict of interest becomes is that someone has a greater sphere of influence than we do, um, that gets double representation now, because again, you and I are already representing the companies that we work for. Okay. Why does a company get to get represented twice? Don't you think the employees of GM and Ford are already out there representing their company? Why do yeah, they get to that. be represented 
twice. And you're saying, well, they, they don't. They just are they're taking their money and forming it together. No, the people who work there are not doing that. The corporation itself is taking funds to do that. And you might argue, well, if we made it illegal, then they would just pay people more under the terms or the assumption that they take that money and donate it to make a super PAC, which becomes a conflict of interest. There are so well, many why. conflicts of interest. It's always going on. We just try to minimize the effects of them because everyone's always just trying to take advantage of situations, right? Um, yeah. Whether it's the people, the corporations, the, um, the, uh, um, the lawmakers or whoever, everyone's just trying to take advantage of a situation to get what they want and capitalize on something. You know more than anybody, you're a lawyer and this is your job. I know you're not a lawyer yet, but you're a lawyer. And you studied all this stuff because people need checks and balances, as you were saying. Yeah. So I want to I want to bring this back around and tie this up is you started saying, like, we need to change the way we vote. And voting itself. Yes, I think that would be changed. more effective than necessarily the term limits. Okay, yeah. so so let's talk about how we vote. What about it needs to change? Do you want a direct democracy as opposed to a republic? No. What do you want? Because that would just be decision fatigue. I mean, could you expect everyone to read all the the various legislation and, and all? No, of no, that no. To I, make a- I like the fact. I didn't used to like the fact that we were a republic until my brother in law explained it to me. He's like, "Do you really trust the American people to represent things for you?" He's like, "It's like high school. If if we had a dem- direct democracy, then it would be you vote for the kid in third grade who says pizza day is going to be every day." And then yeah, they get in we had. and then, and then we never get, happen. Yeah. And then we get pizza day every fucking day. And then you got a bunch of fat kids walking around like in have, two years. Cause why do we have green bean day <laughs> six days a week? <laughs> yes. We wanted pizza. So, yeah. so d- we can look back and go, yeah, it's probably good. We didn't have a direct democracy in school. And as an adult, I can go, yeah, it's probably good. We don't have a direct democracy in America because we as a group sometimes just get sidetracked and we need people to represent us. So you and I are on the same page there. We don't want a direct democracy. So what do you want? Well, and I think this would be good for next week. I'd really like to finish the book that I'm reading on it because I was telling you about ranked choice voting and I think that that is something that could lead to more compromise and less polarization. I, and that is something that can be done without a constitutional amendment. They're, in fact, they're already doing it in Maine. Uh, and there's various municipalities that have employed it. I believe even, was it San Francisco? Uh, here in California, they implemented uh, ranked choice voting for... So very briefly, let's do this because we are at like the 80 minute mark where we're ahead of that. Um Give me a brief definition of ranked choice voting, and then next week we're going to pick it up with with this, changing the voting system. Okay. Well, basically from what, and it's hard to break it down because I think a lot of people get a little bit confused with how it works, but let's say um, you would, instead of voting for one person on the ballot, you would rank the candidates that you want because we operate in a pluralistic system. Mm-hmm. where whoever gets the most votes wins, but it doesn't mean that they win a majority. Like Trump right. didn't win a majority of the Republican vote in the primary. He just got more than all of the other candidates. So if you really wanted a majority wins voting system, you could put in something like a ranked choice. So let's say 
it's you have uh, Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, and Elizabeth Warren. Okay, let's say people put in uh, most of the first pick are Joe Biden because everyone wants the safe pick because they're right. they're, they're worried that th- putting a vote for Biden will just be throwing away their vote, but a large number of individuals pick Bernie Sanders as their number two vote. And let's say Elizabeth Warren, she just doesn't enter the fray. She gets votes, but she doesn't get a lot of them. So they're, so the people that voted for Elizabeth Warren, they put her down first, but all of Elizabeth Warren's uh, voting block put Bernie Sanders as number two. Mm-hmm. So she loses She's wiped off the map. And let's say from the first round of voting, Joe Biden doesn't reach the 50% majority necessary to win. So Elizabeth Warren's voting block is distributed amongst Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. You see what I'm saying? I do. I think and, you're really getting into like the description of it, uh, like oh, the, sorry. the detailed description of it that I think okay. we should save for uh, next episode. So, okay, and I'll be able to better explain it too because <laughs> yes, I'm going you have a more lot time. More. You're you're like hopping into it right now. You're like, let me tell you the whole thing about it. Ranked ranked choice voting is is you rank your candidates, and uh, yes. if if you say, well, if you don't vote for uh, uh, Biden, you're voting for Trump. In this way, I can vote for Biden before I vote for Trump, but I can also vote for Joe Jorgensen or Bernie Sanders or somebody else ahead of him to make it known that, look, I, to make it, to make everybody feel like they don't have to just be stuck in this either or type of situation. So that is a brief overlook of ranked, uh, ranked voting systems. And there's a lot of different ways it can be done. Um, and I actually feel somewhat equipped to talk about this. Um, because it goes into behavior analysis just a little bit. Um, but l- are you cool with picking it up next time? Is that an okay description? I think that'd be perfect. Okay. Yeah, because I would like to go into an yes. in-depth dis- and I description like you, I was doing. And I want yeah. to ask you some questions about it. So um, we'll end it here. Everybody, thank you for uh, tuning in and listening to this discussion. I'm really glad we worked ourselves away from some of the things that we've been talking about for the past few episodes. I mean, it's just been COVID and protests and COVID and protests and racism and COVID and protests. And I'm glad we're, um, you know, last time we got to talk about uh, the war on drugs a little bit. Um, and this time, again, we've we've gotten away from it. We talked about COVID at the beginning, but like, I'm glad we're working away from it just because, again, it goes into that whole like the fatigue just talking about some of these things. I know it's not solved and I know it's not going away, but at some point it just it becomes a, a bit overwhelming. So, um, yeah. You know, Being a dead horse. It is. And and there are just other things I want to talk to you about. We're on the same page with a lot of these things. And yes, there's nuance. And yes, we're, you know, there are things to work out and get on the same page or, or to talk about still. But um, I'd like to work it out with some other things. And there are other uh, things to talk about. So anyways, thank you guys for tuning in. We will uh, see you next week on episode 15 of Wayward Weekly. This has been a big horn. Production. Yeah.